Hey, 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 Dan Seaborn here welcoming you to the month of April. I love that because it means spring is a-coming, baby. Spring is a-coming. Thank you for being a part of Winning at Home. And today, I'm going to seek to encourage you with a little message called Marriage on Purpose. This is a message that's been, as I will tell you right at the beginning of the speech, 60 years in the making. I am understanding better what it means to be married and to make sure your marriage is honoring God. So many years I was looking for Jane to fill all my needs and all my holes, and that's not what God's Word teaches, and I'm learning that. And I'm praying that God will use this little message to inspire you to grow deeper in the Lord and make your marriage even better as you think about what that might look for you should it happen for you down the road. For those of you who aren't married, I trust it will be an encouragement to you as you listen to it as well. Let me also say that I am praying that the Lord will continue to deepen me so that I can share this message across the country and help others grow in their relationship with Christ. And thank you for partnering with us to help make that happen. Here we go, a little message called Marriage on Purpose. Uh, This message I'm going to share with you this morning has been 60 years in the making. I turned 60 this year, and I am learning, and I am figuring out more and more what marriage is means. And today I'm going to attempt to share something with you that's um, going to make you think. It's going to make you ponder. Uh, statistically, 91% of the people who live here in West Michigan get married. 91%. And, and in our area, I, I feel like if you get married, have a couple kids, drive a Denali, success. That's kind of the mentality of this area. And I'm going to push back on that today. If you're here and you aren't married, I invite you to listen intently. I believe this message is going to speak to your heart. If you're here and you are married and you find yourself struggling today, at the end of this message, I want you to know there's going to be an invitation to kind of renew your vows. There's a group of people sitting here who have pre-signed up to be a part of that sort of thing. Others of you will be invited right where you're sitting to stand and renew your vow. It's your choice. You don't have to. And you may be sitting right now listening to that going, you don't know how bad my marriage is. Just just hang on with me. Listen to this message. I remember even when I started and set out my life to find the one. I remember that. I remember thinking, I'm going to go find the one. Some of you have seen me talk about this little unity candle. When Jane and I got married 36 years ago, we lit a unity candle. Unity candles aren't used as much these days. If you're here and you've never seen one of these, this is a little candle and you light it and it represents marriage. Nowadays, people pour sand together. Uh, rub rock. I saw some couple rubbing rocks. I don't even know what it means, but they were rubbing rocks together. Um, I've seen people like uh, tie the three cords, three strands together. I've seen people wash each other's feet. Didn't pick that one. If you did that, bless you, you got nice feet. <laughs> Craziest thing I ever saw was a couple poured their two favorite beers together and drank it. Crazy as it is, that's what they did. I'm old school. I like the candle. <laughs> I remember when um, I was trying to find the one to like this with. This is a really big deal. 
Because in my mind, I got to tell you what I was thinking. Maybe y'all aren't here, but I'm finding the one meant this for me. If I could get here and light this candle, then all my needs will get met. We don't say that out loud, but mentally we're thinking, boy, oh boy, that's going to be it. And I remember finding the one. I remember the first girl that I met that I thought I was going to get to that candle with. Her name was Sanja Knight. I struck the match. I started moving toward it. I thought, yeah, she's, she's it. This is going to be her. And on the way to the candle, it burned out. <laughs> Obviously, I didn't marry Sanja. Biggest thing I remember about her, this is the truth, she was a really good kisser. I'm just telling you, I'm just honest. <laughs> it's the biggest thing I remember about Sanja. And then I left first grade, and I went to second grade. <laughs> and that is a true story. Had a kissing contest in first grade, and she rocked it out. We won. If you're here and you're a child, do not follow your pastor's footsteps. Second grade, I met Tina Harrison. Oh, yeah, Tina. She had blonde hair. Her legs were longer than Sanja's. I thought, yeah, she's, she's the, yeah, mm, 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 burn out. Got to a point where I was striking matches just to watch them burn. Y'all know what I mean. That's a good country song. <laughs> then I got to college. I'm an honest preacher. I'm not going to stand up here and act like I walk around reading the Bible all the time. I'm going to tell you how it really happened. My, my, what would be wife, Jane, who will be here in second service, um, I walked to the student center. She was at a vending machine. She was a vending machine, and the product had fallen down, and she was trying to get it out. It was caught up in there like this. I'm just being honest. And I remember thinking, that might be the one. <laughs> I'm just telling you the truth. I remember saying to my buddy, David Hyde, if she worked, when she turns around, if the front matches the back, we're good to go. That's what I thought. And that's how the whole spark began. I found the one. Wasn't reading my Bible, wasn't praying. I was looking. And I got that candle burning. It, it's been burning now for 36 years. And I say that with, with great joy. And I thought that was the end to all. Now I have made it. I won't have any more issues. Now I will always be fully understood. <laughs> Let me get at that this way. Jane goes down every year with her sisters to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. They do a sister's trip. They go down there and hang out. And sometimes, some of them take their grandchildren. Jane had never done that. She always does a trip just to hang out with her sisters in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Last year, during the summer, Jane said to me, I think I should take Naya. Naya is our four-year-old granddaughter. She'll probably be here next service. 
Naya is a ball of fire. She's a fun little girl. She can talk. When she talks, she, she gets breaths in between. Like, Papa, anyway, I was thinking, I would go over to somebody, and she just sucks in air, whatever. She can speak about 190 words a minute with gusts up to 250. The girl can just talk. So Jane said, I think I should take her to Myrtle Beach. I said, sounds great. Go for it. Four-year-old. So we did the trip. She signed her up, and I was so excited, even bought her a little Disney bag to take on the trip. I and mean, she's all set. They go down to Myrtle Beach, say bye at the airport, go down. Jane calls me one day into the trip. Honey, I said, yeah. She said, I think I made a mistake. <laughs> I said, what's going on? She said, Dan, it's unbelievable. I mean, she's crying. She wants her mom. Uh, the beach is not making her happy. The pool is not making her happy. Her cousins are not making her happy. She just wants to go home. She didn't know she couldn't go home. I said, okay, let's do this. Put her on FaceTime with me, and I'll, I'll come up with something. So I FaceTime Naya. Naya's Papa. Hey, Papa, I want to come home. I'm like, Naya, I know you do, but look, you got six more days, okay? So I just need to talk to you a little bit. You got six more sleeps. Now, listen, Naya, if you will be good for Grandma and just make it fun these next six days, total bribery, I, I confess, total bribery, I will get you a Barbie car. Naya, if you'll be good for Grandma, I will get you a Barbie car. What, what I didn't realize was she got this thing in her mind. I've got this thing in my mind. Do y'all see where this is going? So she killed it for six days. And she came back to Grand Rapids Airport, and she comes running down that little thing because she sees her papa. Papa's got the Barbie car. Y'all just need to know I had it right there. It's in my pocket. And I said, Naya, you've done so good. I'm so proud of you. I love you. Now, don't forget, she's thinking that. Papa, Papa, that's awesome. Where's the car? And I said, I got it in my back pocket. And she goes, Papa, you are so funny. You're always funny. You can't get that big car in your pocket right then. It hit me. I didn't until that moment. And I look at Jane like, oh, no. <laughs> this is called unmet expectations. Some of y'all have it in your marriage. You thought you got the Barbie car, and I report to you this morning, you did. <laughs> 94 Walmart cents. That's 400 and something bucks. She ain't getting that. 94 cents. And this morning, I'm a realist. I preach real-life stuff. Some of you are sitting here this morning. You would never raise your hand to confess this. But inside, you say to yourself, I got ripped off. You guys are sitting here, and when you lit this candle or you rubbed your rocks, whatever it was you did, you got in your mind, oh, baby, let's go get in that car like Naya. I mean, she told me, I can't wait. That's why that picture's up there. I'm going to get one of my little friends in that car. We're going to drive around the neighborhood, whatever. I'm thinking, you ain't getting no finger. You ain't even getting a finger in this car. 
And so you get to a crossroad. Some of you might even be here this morning. You get to a crossroad where you say to yourself, what am I going to do? Because this isn't what I signed up for. And the world says to you, divorce, man. Life's too short. Go get what you want. Go find another one. Hollywood says to you, yeah, we try it out all the time. In fact, we, we like for you to, who do you, you think Angelina Jolie, who should she marry? You guys pick. Who do you think's my one? I'll marry them and stay married for a couple of hours. And see, here's what I want to tell you. You get to these crossroads where you will decide, am I going to obey what God's Word teaches or am I going to do what I feel like doing. Let me lay the crossroads out real clearly for you again. Am I going to do what God's Word teaches, or am I going to do what I feel like doing? You say, Dan, I've been through a divorce, and you're making me feel really guilty. No effort at all on my part to make you feel guilty. Here's what I say to you. If you're sitting here today, and you've been divorced 10 times, I'm telling you today, You're responsible for what you hear this morning. I want you to go and act and be obedient to what you hear this morning from this point forward. I want to read something to you that's going to be the counter view of finding the one. I want to propose to you this morning, we have been doing this wrong. I did it wrong. The pastor standing in front of you this morning did it wrong. I went out to find the one, I was wrong. I didn't go out. You ready? Instead of finding the one, I'm going to propose to you this morning, you need to be the one. Don't go find the one. Go be the one. Ephesians chapter 5 is the passage I travel across the country and preach from. If you look in my Bible, this page is worn out. Husbands, Love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Does that sound like that's about you? He gave himself up for her, making her holy, cleansing her with the washing of the Lord's word to present her to himself as a radiant church without any spot or any blemish. Husbands ought to love his wife as his own body. After all, no one ever hated their own body. They feed it and they take care of it. For this reason, a man will leave his dad and his mom and he will cling to his wife. The two of them will become one flesh. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. The church submits to Christ, so wives should submit to their husbands. None of that in there is about me. None of that in there is about finding what I want. Everything I just read to you is about being what Christ wants. It's a total different mindset change. Coming up on the screen, I'm going to put the words over on this side, finding the one. 
And over here on being the one, I want to show you the difference. Here they are on the left side and right side. The first one is this. When you find the one, it's about me. Being the one is about Christ. Today I ask you, every person sitting here who is married, how much time you've been spending saying, Jesus, what are you trying to teach me through this marriage? Lord, when things aren't going my way and I don't like it, what do you want to show me? Because I want to propose to you that if you can be the one, you will set an example for anyone who sees you in this secondly. Watch this. God will call you, I believe, to higher purposes. He wants to see how much you want to be like him. Because you see, Jesus didn't come to this earth for himself. He didn't walk around going, do y'all get who I am? Do y'all not get what? Did you not see me just turn that water into wine? Is somebody not clapping for me? No, just the opposite. I did not come to be served, but to serve. We've glamorized marriage, and we've made marriage look like the end of all. And really what marriage is, the end of you. It's the end of you saying life is about me. When you get married, you sign up to serve. There's a way that you can live however you want to live, do whatever you want to do in terms of going and doing the things you'd like to do and not have to worry about anybody else thinking about it. And there's a word for that. It's called single. Once you sign up to be married, you decided it's not about me anymore. It's about Christ. Now, I understand that today I have to speak in generalizations. I can't sit here and know every situation. Some of you are in a situation where you say, Dan, I'm, I'm in a circumstance and I'm in a difficult situation. The other person isn't seeking Christ. I got it. I understand that. And I can't cover every detail today. At the end of the message, there's going to be a couple of phone numbers up on the screen. You can call, get some help. I want to offer you help. But I'm going to give you today the formula for a good marriage, and that is you going and leaving today in your marriage, not being about you anymore, but being about serving Christ. You say, this, this, that's not easy. Correct. Then why is this not put out on the main screen on TV and everybody talk about it? Because it's hard and we don't like hard. We like easy. We like convenience. I mean, Everything in my life reeks of convenience. This morning I woke up and I had a beautiful warm shower after I got out of my warm bed and I had a warm shower. Then I put on some nice comfortable clothes and I drove over here with my heated seat car working and it was a sweet ride. I was convenient the whole way. And Christ says, life's not about your convenience, son. So everything I'm preaching about flies in the face of everything we try to get. So it's hard. Second difference between finding the one and being the one is finding the one is about my needs. Being the one is about my purpose. When I lit this thing, I really thought Jane would meet every one of my needs. And let me just tell you what that's called. It's called not being fair. You're looking at a dude who was not fair to his wife for many, many years. I'm telling you, I turned 60 this year. I told you that earlier. And I'm, tell, I'm starting to figure out what marriage is about. It took me a long time. I spent way too much time, my needs, what I want, how I want it done. 
the way I'd like to get it. Some of y'all, y'all get exactly what I'm saying because on the way here this morning, you had an argument about not getting your needs met. And I have switched this in my life. In a minute, I'm going to talk about this a little bit more, but I have switched this in my life to going, wait a minute, wait a minute. Why am I on the earth, period? Why did I marry Jane in the first place? What is our purpose in this world? Why did God put us together? Why are we on this planet? I'll tell you why. Because the neighborhoods around you need to see that a man and a woman can marry each other for a lifetime and set an example of holiness and godliness. The world is craving this image and doesn't even know it. Say, Dan, you're going to get in trouble because of what you teach and preach. I am going to teach and preach God's Word until I die and do whatever to me you got to do to me. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to stop saying it because I believe God created marriage. He created it for a man and a woman. He created it for a lifetime. You say, that's hate speech. Oh, it's actually the opposite. I love everyone in this room. If you're here and you're in a same-sex relationship, you actually need to know I am building bridges to you at the ministry of winning home right now because I think we as a church have just done a horrible job of showing grace and love to people who are in those situations or in that circumstance. And I will never affirm a lifestyle that doesn't align with God's Word, and I believe very specifically that's in God's Word. I say that in loving and in kindness. And I'm telling you, I'm going to do my best the rest of my life to be a man who shows a Christ-like love, a grace-filled love to people who are, what I believe, not walking and aligning with God's Word. And I'm going to try to do it so that people know when I die, may not have agreed with him, may not have liked everything about him, but the old dude stood strong for what he believed the Word of God said until he died, and he did it in love. God has laid very clearly on my heart in 2020 to build a bridge to people who don't really understand what I believe the ultimate love is, and that is to teach and say things to you that align with God's Word. This isn't my opinion. It'd be a lot easier for me to say, you know what, everything's okay, because when you do that, then everybody loves you. I don't know if y'all realize, but not everyone loved Jesus. Jesus spoke the truth even when it didn't align with what people thought. And I, in love, am going to tell you that I believe I was put on this earth to show what the point of this candle, that a couple can get married, can love each other, and that their purpose can be, listen, listen, I, 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 want, you to under, I want you to hear this very clearly because this is where we're messed up in our society. You weren't put on this earth for sex. You weren't. That's, that's one of the byproducts. It's a wonderful thing that goes with our life. You were put on this earth so that you spiritually could connect with the Lord, you connect, could connect with God Almighty, the one who made you, the one who created you, with the one who we sang that third song about how I'm here and my fulfillment is found in you and in you alone. Your fulfillment is not found in your spouse. Your fulfillment is found in your relationship with Jesus. Your spouse then becomes a, what Scripture calls them, helpmate. They are not your fulfiller. They are not your provider. They are not your all in all. Your spouse is your helpmate. God is your fulfiller. When you get this right, this candle works way better.
And I think for many of us, our problem has been we've been out there trying to find the one and we've not been focused on being the one. The last point of that is this. Finding the one can lead to discontentment. Somebody sitting here this morning, you're very discontent in your marriage. You're so discontent, you've found fulfillment somewhere else. Something else. Somebody else. How do you know that? Life. And I'm inviting you to look and realize, seek Christ this morning, it leads to the ultimate fulfillment. I'm going to go get a chair a second. I'm going to pull this out. I have a little stool in my office now, a little bar stool in my office. I go, and when I'm really to a point where I'm working on a message, and I'm going, man, how in the world? I go sit on this little stool, and I go, all right, Jesus, you got to help me. I need to connect that thought right there you're laying on my heart. I need to connect it to the people sitting in the pews, sitting in the seats. Lord, Lord, help me say this the right way. I, I don't speak anymore to try to, I hope I never did, but they're definitely back in my earlier days of preaching. There was an element of Dan in it. I have to admit that because I wanted to get somewhere. I wanted to be, I would have, when I was young and preaching, I would, man, I hope a place like Res Life will let me preach there someday. That's, that's just human nature. I'm past that. I don't need to speak anywhere anymore. I, I don't matter in terms of me needing to do stuff. I need to tell you today what God's Word says, and I need you to get it. Like for a preacher, there ain't nothing better than when the people leave and they get it. Not what I say, but what the Lord was saying to you. So in these next few moments, I'm praying that you get it. And you know me. You know I'm pretty vulnerable. You know I'll shoot straight with you. I didn't get the message I'm preaching for many, many years. I was selfish. I argue with Jane all the time. I come up here and preach, and we get an argument on the way home. Because she wasn't doing what I wanted her to do. And she wasn't doing it the way I wanted her to do it. And all I did for many years is I look back at our marriages, I made her feel like she wasn't good enough. And she's a soft, gentle lady, so she took it. And probably six or seven years ago, the Lord began to show me, you got to change this. Something happened. I was in an airport. Um, I walked over to a food area in the airport, and I heard this lady screaming at this man screaming, just screaming. And I went around the corner, and there was a big pole there, and I just kind of snuck my head around the corner to look. They were over in the area, and they were probably 75, 80 years old, and she was just screaming at him how stupid he was and how, can't believe how you act. And she had just going off on him. And I don't scream at Jane. I did not scream. That's not who I am. I just wasn't kind with my words. I never physically touched her or hit her. That's not who I am. But I just wasn't kind. Like kind like I am with you. 
And I saw a picture going, oh, my goodness, if I don't change, am I going to look like that at 80? And I was like, I'm not doing this. I'm not dying this way. I'm not dying thinking that she better meet my needs. And I decided to change it. Say, Dan, how'd you do that? Um, Just good old-fashioned. Jesus, come and help me do something different. Because if I don't change these defaults and these ways I do things, nothing's going to change. So I started with something simple. I would just say to her, Jane, was I kind to you today? I treat you good today? Yep. Okay, I'm going to try to do that again tomorrow. I'm going to see if I can get two days in a row. Okay, babe? Okay. Got two days in a row. Started getting weeks in a row. I went a week in a row speaking kind to you, didn't I? Hmm? I would tell you I got it down to where I was getting frustrated and that kind of thing just probably a couple times a month. Seriously. A couple times a month. In those couple times, I wasn't nice and I wasn't sweet. And I'm not talking I was a horrible husband. I just knew that I did not want to finish my life going, going that way. I sit here today on this stool. I'm not a perfect husband. Jane will be here in second service. You, can, you have my, my permission to walk right up and ask her. I believe I'm being the best husband I've ever been in my life. I affirm her. I encourage her. Those things about her that I used to try to change, I look at her and I go, that's the way God made you, girl. Rock it out just like that. Is it my favorite? No. No, I wish she did it a different way, but that's the way she likes to do it. And I'm over here going, do it. Double down. Do it twice. Because I want her to finish feeling she's loved. You ready? For who she is who God made her, not things that don't align with God's word, but just how she is. And what I've found is we're just way more peaceful. I don't speak unkind. I can't remember the last time that I got upset. I can't remember the last time. I can ask her, she'll she'll probably say, yeah, last week. I, I don't remember the last time I got upset because I'm trying to be the one and not find the one. It's a mindset change. And I have a couple of takeaways. Here they are. Live with the purpose of loving and honoring God first. Leave here today and go say, Jesus, what do you want me to do in my marriage? It's not perfect. It's not easy. There are times I don't even like it. <laughs> Two candles, and now this thing is just roaring. That's hilarious. But I want you to leave here today. The next time something about you comes out of your mouth, stop it. Stop it and say, I'm going to stop doing that. If nothing changes, nothing changes. Y'all know I say that all the time. And then the second thing is this. The second takeaway is this. Find fulfillment in Christ and be a helpmate to your spouse. Find your fulfillment in Christ and a helpmate in your spouse. Stop seeing your spouse as the savior of your life. They aren't. That's Jesus. Don't put them in that spot. It's not fair. And I'll tell you what'll happen. Listen, 
since I've been doing this with my wife, I've become more solid as a person. I'm more sure of who I'm on this earth. I, I believe I'm on this earth to preach. This morning, is a full house in here. It's very quiet. I'm assuming that means this is connecting. Not for my glory, because I want you to get it. I want you to leave here saying, oh, my word, I was trying to make you fulfill me. I got to switch that to the real fulfiller. So my prayer this morning is that you have the right view of marriage and that you leave here going, I can do this. With God's help, I can do this. So here's how we're going to wrap it up today. There's a group of people sitting right here who pre-signed up to restate their vows to each other. So I'm going to have them come up here and stand around the front. And here's what I'm going to invite you doing. I'm, I'm not asking anyone else to come to the front. Those of you who are here, I'm going to invite you to come up because they're going to, they wanted to renew their vows. I've actually written some vows this morning I want to share. And here's what I want to do. If you're sitting in the sanctuary this morning, you say, I kind of like to restate my vows too. I'm going to invite you to stand where you don't have to. No pressure here. But if you'd like to restate your vows, I'm going to invite you to stand up together all over the sanctuary. Just stand up as a couple. And I'm going to say these vows to each other and you're just kind of, kind of recommit to this. So standing there, yeah, a couple standing up all over. Just turn, hold each other's hand and repeat these phrases, okay? I'm going to read them and you say them at the same time. So I'm going to say the phrase and you just repeat it. So if you're here, I'm going to pause a minute. If you're here and this message made sense, you realize, oh my goodness, I've viewed that the wrong way a long time. I glamorized marriage instead of understanding what it's about. If you're here and you would say, I want to commit to what you're talking about this morning. I wrote these vows to align with what I believe God's word teaches and what I preached on this morning. So I want you to repeat these vows to each other. All of you standing here and all across the sanctuary, I want you to say these words. Look at your spouse and say this. Today I promise to love and to cherish you, to grow in my relationship with Christ, and to seek to be the best helpmate possible. With God's help, I pledge you my faith, and I commit myself to you until death parts us. Lord Jesus, I pray over the spouses standing here and standing all across the room this morning. We want to do this right. We want to honor you in our homes. Forgive us. Lord, we live in a world that's about us, and we pray you'd help us to take home today this concept that this marriage is about you. Forgive us for our shortcomings. Help us again to seek to fulfill what you called us to do on this earth and help us to be the best helpmate possible. Bless these couples. Bless their homes. I ask in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. Thank you so much for taking time to listen to those thoughts. I trust it's reminded you to be the one and not look for the one. And I hope and pray it will cause you to grow deeper in your marriage or if you're thinking about a relationship, to really ponder what that could look like for you in the days ahead.
Also want to remind you at Winning at Home on June the 8th, we have our annual golf outing called the Big Divot Open. Come and be a part of it. We would love to see you that day, hang out with you, encourage you, and thank you for all you do to support us. And on behalf of all of us at Winning at Home, I thank you for your continued prayers. As we continue to expand our base and reach more people, we're trusting that the Lord will continue to help us do that, and your prayers for us are greatly appreciated. I hope and trust that you've enjoyed today's episode of the Home Run Club. Thank you again for being our partner here at Winning at Home.